everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Join Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy, even in infertility. About two to three years into our infertility journey, a fellow traveler on this road, I guess you could say, recommended a book to me called Empty Womb, Aching Heart. It's a really sad title, but I was interested because I hadn't heard of any books that were related to infertility specifically. It's filled with really short chapters of women and men who are walking through infertility and they share their stories. One of the first chapters, maybe the first chapter, was titled Crying in the Diaper Aisle. The woman shared how she had to go pick out a baby gift and she walked down the diaper aisle and just started bawling. As soon as I read it, I ran to the kitchen where my husband was and said, see, I'm not crazy. This is a thing. I had just experienced the same thing and legitimately I thought I was nuts for being so emotional in a store in a diaper aisle. I hope that's what these stories do for you. Even though the details may all be different, there are little moments in each story that I relate to and say, see, I'm not the only one. So if you haven't heard part one of this interview, stop right now and go back. Jessica has a lot of Me Too moments that you're going to be encouraged by, and you don't want to miss her story of secondary infertility, adoption, and how God called them to Texas, which is where we're picking up now. So just in case you don't remember how we ended the last episode, Jessica, her husband, and her now two kids got the call to move to Texas for Jessica's job with Life Church. They prayed about it, and they felt God say, go. And when the Bennetts hear God say, go, they go. Got back to Texas, and we were literally unpacking boxes. And Kaylee, I hadn't had a, I hadn't purchased a pregnancy test in at least three and a half years. I had not, I had no reason because we were just on the, we were on the adoption route and we hadn't, you know, so it wasn't, it was like, okay, 4%, we're just going to keep on doing our thing. But I was not on birth control and, you know, whatever, um, 4% in my brain might as well have been zero medically, but I also believed God was po- capable of anything. And so we just had to keep swimming. So, um, two weeks back, I'm unpacking boxes and I pull out the bathroom boxes, opening those boxes. And there's this pregnancy test. And I'm like, that's weird. Where'd that even, I thought it was an ovulation thing at first. Cause they looked the same. Um, but it said pregnancy and I was like, I don't even know where that would have come from. It's weird. So I put it there, but it was like this very obvious moment that was a weird and got my attention moment, but I put it away and kept unpacking. And then the next day I was like, Adam, I just feel weird. But I mean, I was super tired. I was trying to work at the new campus, but also keep unpacking, get our family back established in Texas and just, you know, craziness. And I just remember thinking, I'm dizzy. I don't feel right. Something's weird. And I was walking up the stairs and it was like, right on the middle of the stairs, I thought I need to take a pregnancy test. And then I thought when I thought that, why did I even think that? Like, there's no way I'm pregnant. That's just done. And then I thought, when was my last period? And I couldn't remember. And then I started because you're not tracking. I don't, I was like, I finally had quit doing all no. that mess. That was so stressful for me. And I say that with all heart to those of you still tracking. Cause it's a craziness, but I, it felt it strong. And then my heart started beating really fast. And I thought, what? It? And I got that stupid feeling again that I had made myself quit thinking just what if, and you know how fast our brains can, I don't know if you have this, but my literally, and like from the first moment of, I don't feel good. I'm dizzy to, I need to take a pregnancy test. I already in my brain could envision three babies now and what it looked like. I mean, it was like, <laughs> how does our brain do that? Like, 
And then I, I quickly stopped myself and, and, and went back to that defense mechanism that I'd made myself have of, nope, I'm not going there. That can't be. There's no way. And so I tried to convince myself and get out of that happy place because that was what the way I thought I needed to protect myself. And so are you still in the stairs? I know I I kept climbing, but slowly, I vividly remember this, you know, those moments (laughs) in your life when like you can remember the exact place. And I remember how it felt like it was humid in the house because our AC wasn't working right yet. And I mean, I just remember all of it, like walking up and I, and I, then I had to walk back down the stairs to get the pregnancy test. And I went and it was positive. That pregnancy test was positive. And my kids, my daughter was at school. My son was sleeping still. It was early. Adam was at work. And I, 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 I just don't even, I still don't even have complete words. It was that whole foggy, is this really life feeling? And I just kept looking at it. And then I was convinced it must be an expired pregnancy test because I don't even know where it came from. And I haven't bought one in so long and it may be wrong, but I, I took a picture of it telling Adam about Olivia. I had all this whole, you know, perfect cute plan of how I told him. And I put bread in the oven, buns in the oven. I put like baby clothes in the dryer and let him pick them out. I like all these things and it was super cute. This time I like texted him a picture of a pregnancy test. Cause I was flipping out. I was like, what in the world? And my husband loves Jesus, but he cusses a little. And so I will not say his exact <laughs> words in his text. That's going to be the <laughs> intro. <laughs> he was like, are you good word. They're, um, kidding me. And I was, I, I, and we didn't even call like we both like, this isn't the thing you text your husband, but I was not, I was I mean, it was inc- like just every emote, all the feelings, like I just, it, so many things. And so then I finally, I called him and I was like, I don't, is this real? I don't, should I go get more? Pre- I had no, he was like, go get more pregnancy tests. And so I'm sick to my stomach, not because I'm pregnant, but because I'm just so overwhelmed and like, what do I do? So I call one of my friends back in Oklahoma and she was freaking out. She's like, it's, I, it's gotta be true. I believe it's true. And I, so we're both crying and I'm, I'm literally on the phone with her the whole time I'm in Walgreens or CVS, whichever one it was, I'll just remember walking to the closest one I could find. And I literally took, I didn't even pay for them. I took like three pregnancy tests to the bathroom while I'm on the phone with her. And I said, you have to stay on the phone with me. I'm going to pee on these tests right now. And I peed on like three more and they were all positive. And I was like, holy cow. I, I mean, I was like, I can't, I just, I can't even articulate. And then I had to go pay for the peed on pregnancy test, which I apologize profusely to the person. I was like, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to vandalize or anything, but I am not thinking straight and I'm pregnant. I'm telling this person and I'm crying and everybody in line is looking at me like I've lost my mind. Um, but it was crazy. And so we were pregnant and, um, Selah, is a little baby that I now have. She's 16 months old. The pregnancy was very difficult. I was on bed rest, either partial or complete bed rest for six months. Um, a couple of big scares for both her life and mine. Man, we told through that whole 
I had to go in several times because I started contracting at 30 weeks and they had to stop it. And every time we'd go in, we would tell as many people as we could what was going on with this baby. And this baby was never supposed to be here. They said 4% chance. So anytime somebody tells you 4% chance, you tell them it could still happen. (laughs) We're telling all these people who don't know us, but, um, you know, God just gave us this huge passion for any time and every time we can tell it. And we're still in that place. I mean, she's 16 months old. And like I said, I'm sure the people who've been on the journey since Olivia are probably sick of hearing it, but I'll keep posting every time a memory comes up to remind me when I found out I was pregnant or when we shared the gender, or I'm going to keep sharing it because it is absolutely miraculous. And God works miracles every day. And I believe in it and I will, I will share it. And I will say thank you to him every day that I wake up every second. I look at her face and it's not all roses. I mean, she's a normal baby. She's, it's hard at times, but man, every single time I look at her, I just, I mean, Adam and I still 16 months into it, look at each other and say, is this real? Like, is this real? We went, so literally that was eight and a half years later that I got pregnant. Oh, wow. That's what I was yeah, going to Eight and a half years wow. later. And so literally my body, it was like going through a first pregnancy because it had been so long since I had had a baby in there. But, um, how, and I mean, just how miraculous, you know, so many people have pointed out so many things, you know, it was so obvious Elijah was supposed to be in your family. Like he's ours and it was supposed to be that way and couldn't, maybe wouldn't have, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been if I had been pregnant at the same time, you know, as he, mm-hmm. when he was born. And so just, just so many things that we never, ever, ever want to take for granted in my pregnancy, Olivia would, would look at me and I would just be crying and praying with her and saying, this baby has to be okay. We've got to just pray really hard, pray for the baby, pray for mommy. And she would, she remember clear as day her looking at me and saying, mom, at this point she's eight, you know, and it's still in a 30 year old mentality. And she would say, mom, this baby is a miracle. God made this miracle and he's going to take care of us. He's going to, he's going to take care of her. He's going to take care of you. And no doubt, no, no wavering, you know, and I was like, dang it. I know you're right again. (laughs) You know, so they just, kids, their faith, faith of a child. It's like none other. So you're going to have to cut that like 18 places, but there, that's the story. <laughs> I don't know where um, there is any Sorry. Cause <laughs> that, that is it. That is it in a great big fat nutshell. So, um, they're miracles and we're grateful for all of them. They are. And the reason why she keeps saying you're going to have to cut it is because I tell every guest to try to keep their story <laughs> to about five minutes and it never <laughs> happens because you can't tell your story in five minutes. Cause there's it's just too much. much. There's too much in there. So no, I understand. So going back to the very beginning, you said that there were moments where you and your husband felt like God wasn't, you knew you believed in him, but he just, Mm -hmm. you didn't know where he was. So how did you get past those moments? In all honesty, some of those moments were longer than what you might think of as a moment. We had to live in that for a little bit of time sometimes. Um, And and I don't, I'm not going to tell you it was like, two days or two weeks. I mean, every time that darkness fell on us, it was different how we got out of it. Um, I do believe, um, Adam and I, at that time, he had been sober for about two years when we were in the process of adoption. And I prayed a lot through Olivia's early stages. We both went to church together. We led worship together, but 
we were just in very different places and that's totally fine. I think all of it, every single person in this world are in different places, married or not in their walk with God. Um, but I prayed super hard that he would, he would be the spiritual leader of our family. And by that, that's churchy. I just mean, I, I, I would hope and pray for a day that he would start the prayer at dinner time, or he would point Olivia to God in everyday situations. And it wasn't just me doing that. Um, he didn't know that life as, as much, I guess that way of, of, um, of living, I guess I would say his family is very religious, super awesome, great family. Um, but just having an everyday conversation necessarily, at least maybe he had it when he was younger, but he just had grown out of it. We were very much in that entertainment world and and God just wasn't talked about every day. And so we knew we wanted to raise a family that way. It just, we weren't there together yet. And so I just remember praying, God, I just, I'm praying for my husband's faith for both of our faith, but, but both of us. And, and there were moments where I remember being afraid that his faith would crumble, um, because I didn't know in my heart if it was strong enough yet. And, um, and even for myself, I mean, I, I've never, I grew up in a family where we talked about God from the second I could talk and, and I never, I've never, I've just never questioned God, just not because my parents told me to, but because I have had this love and just, I love him. I just, I just have no doubt. And, and I'm grateful for that. I, I, I don't think everybody has that. Um, and I think sometimes when we walk this life, it's overlooked as not as awesome as that person that has awful situations and then they come to God. But I think they're both just as strong and powerful and beautiful. And um, I just kept praying. And so in those moments where it was dark, um, we lost sight. We lost sight. We would, we would have moments where we were like, ugh nothing, this is, we would take on all of that weight ourselves and forget that we believed in a God that did not want us to carry it ourselves. That number one, he'd put a circle of people around us who loved us unconditionally and would do anything for us, would come get Olivia if we needed to just lay in our bed and eat a big old thing of ice cream and be sad for a minute. You know, like he, he, we forgot that we had a God who wanted to carry the weight for us, whether through other people are just taking, giving us a piece that only he could give us. Like we lost sight. And so we would have to get to a place of sometimes it was just, you know, when they say just hit rock bottom, I just, I, I'm, I wouldn't get out of bed some days. And that, that was not okay. I knew it then. I know it now just because I had a little baby that a two-year-old that I wanted to cherish every moment. And this, this situation robbed me of that. I'll say, just the way that I, that I was figuring out how to handle it maybe robbed me of, of that. And so it took other people sometimes it took Adam and I just really finding a place of connection with each other, with God and reminding each other, God's got this. Like, I don't, there were times where we would say, I know a baby will happen at some point somehow, but then there'd be other times where we'd say, I don't know if the end is a baby but God's doing something. I don't even know what that is, but God's, he's doing something. And that would get us to the next step. It it didn't mean a million years of, you know, the next two months were going to be easy. It just meant I had the next breath. I mean, it, it it gets that hard. I mean, it's, I know that sounds dramatic, but it's like, 
it's really true when you're in such despair. I don't care if it's fertility issues, wanting to grow your family, sickness, you lose somebody you love. It really becomes how God, how do I take the next? I can't know. I don't know how to take a breath. I don't know how to move. I don't know how to live. And I, all I can say is you just have to take it. You have to do it. I'm putting, I'm putting it all. I have nothing left. And I hate that it has to get to that point for me sometimes, but that's literally where we were at moments. Um, there were some points I will also say that God was so good in, in a lot of the time, it was way more seldom that we both hit that darkness and despair simultaneously. More of the time than not, God would give one of us this supernatural faith and, and strength when the other one really was crumbling. And that was the time the other one came and said, we, we're, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through everything. God's got us. It's going to be okay. And we just kept swimming. You know, it just is, it just truly was how we, it was our mantra. It's, we had to just keep on moving. And, um, and so that, that truly was, was what gave us the strength to, it, it, it grew our relationship ultimately. And it grew our faith. It grew his faith. It never crumbled his faith, which was my biggest prayer. And, um, both of our faiths got stronger. And you were, you guys were really open about it with your friends and your family. Was there ever any moments that that was hard to share because of the place that oh, you yeah. were in? Yeah. Um, at the beginning of, of the, the, before the adoption, even the fertility treatments, which at that time, I mean, it's not like it was a hundred years ago, but fertility stuff has come a long way in a pretty, Oh yeah. Nobody no, was sharing. Like nobody then. talked about it. Not only was it, it was private, it was like taboo. It was like talking about your sex life or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and right. honestly, I mean, I guess it is literally some talking about your sex life, but it's, I, I even then didn't understand why it needed to be private. I, I just was never, I'm not that I'm not a private, but like certain things need to be private, but that kind of thing. I just felt very strong at the time when God said, go with fertility, that we could not do it alone. I didn't understand it. So I had questions that I needed people to give me answers to. I didn't want to be in it by myself. I believe strongly in the power of prayer. So I, I needed that support system of prayer. Um, I just, I, and, and at the moment of starting it, I didn't know what God was going to do with our transparency, but literally just a little short time into it. I'm talking like weeks into sharing, like on social media, people came out of the woodwork, like people that were friends, but also people of friends of friends of friends of cousins of, I mean, like just you hear the word fertility or adoption and everybody knows somebody and it's like, I'm going to tell somebody to talk to you. And so, um, Mm -hmm. and so in that, a lot of that is a great blessing. Some of it's hard though, because like, like we said earlier, it just is, it, it encompasses all of your life. It can, it did for me. I'll say that much. It, everything was about treatment. Everything was about who knew someone who could tell me an answer to this or how long did they have to wait before they started getting a new symptom or just inundated everything. And so becoming overwhelmed was part of the difficulty in letting everybody know because everybody had something to say. Um, and again, I would take that still even a million times over the difficulty that it brought, but there were moments in it where it was like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to hear anymore. I don't, um, I'm grateful for people who can tell me 
look at all that has happened with me now through it, but I don't, I'm not there yet. And right now that is hurting me to hear. So I had to become really careful and guarded at how much I let really settle inside of me. You know how you can like hear something and we, we, we can, we have the, we have the power and control by God's grace to, um, fill our minds with, with what we want to. And so the word tells us to fill it with, with things of him and and the word. And, and so I would find myself not at all consumed by God's word or his promises, but instead consumed by all of these things of fertility treatments and adoption when that day came and all of it. And so I had to check myself and have accountability people in my life who would say, you're, you're going back on that rabbit trail. Like just hold don't stay there, like ground yourself in the truth of what God says first. And so that was part of the hardship. It was super difficult when we would put out on social media, okay, guys, we're going for our second treatment and we're believing in good stuff. We'd love your prayers. And then have to come back two weeks later and say, thank you so much for your prayers. This wasn't, this wasn't the plan this time, but we're believing, you know, we try to stay hopeful and positive even inside while we were, and there were moments too on social media where we were raw and real and say, I don't understand. And right now this really hurts. And I don't, I, I, we would tell people on social media, I don't expect any of you to have anything, you know, any words. We're so grateful for you. We love you. And if you want to share, we'd love to hear, but we know there that this is just, this just is hard. And we're just going to be real and honest and saying, we're hurting right now. You know, we, we shared the the information, but we also shared the pain and the hurt and the emotion that came with it. And that above all things has been what people have reached out to us about and just thanked us, which really it's not, it's all God, but just been thankful for the transparency because especially at that time, people were not doing that. And so God moves through that. I mean, God would, would inspire people to start a treatment or to, um, it didn't even have to be fertility related. I mean, it was it, random things of cancer, people, a cancer patient reached out to me one time and just said, just your consistent hope and that you keep going back to faith, even though all of this keeps happening, gives me faith. And those moments when that would happen, I would just cry out and thank God in such a joy. Even if I was in the middle of darkness of a failed treatment, it was like, thank you, God, for how you work in all of this. Like, this this may never happen the way that I'm praying it happens and that I yearn in my heart. But man, if these people can know your goodness because I just vomited my hurt on social media, um, wow. Like, I'm super grateful. Like, I'm not asking for more pain. Please don't hear that. But, you know, keep working through us, however we can do that. And so... um so yes, the answer to your question is yes. There were moments that it was hard to keep sharing it, but again, the fruit of it, the goodness of it from, from what God would do with it was worth it and why we continue now. Like we don't want to ever be those people who are reaching out to people and saying, I completely know your pain. And then they look and see this awesome picture of a family of five with three kids on social media. And they're like, what the heck do you know of pain? Like you've got three babies so you can say on this side, yeah, it's all great, but I, my heart and my prayer through all of it is I am so grateful for those babies. I'm so grateful every day that I look into their faces and know 
what a miracle every single child is. Um, but mine especially (laughs) because they're mine. Um, and I'm biased, but, um, I look and I'm thankful, but I don't, I don't forget. And I think what's so important for us to remember on this journey together is when we're in that moment of, you know, two months in or two years in or 10 years in, um, and we hear a story of somebody else's and we think, you don't know, you don't understand. You've only been trying for three months or you've got eight kids or whatever it is that we do in our hurt and our pain. Cause that is coming from just pain and hurt. Um, not to, not to minimize everyone's journey because in some moment in that three months, it took one girl to get pregnant. She had times where she didn't know if the end of her story was going to be a baby. And that despair is the same for her as it is for those of us who had it for eight years. And instead of looking at it as like a competition or a rivalry or resentment, um, man, what a tool it could be to help each other and to let other people help us, even if they're on the other side, or if they're not like be there, that's what God meant for this. He, he never meant for us to do any of this by ourselves. Like this take, this world will bring trouble, but take heart. I've overcome everything. That's true. That's his word. That's, that's what he's told us, but he didn't mean take heart. You're going to figure this out on your own. We're supposed to do this all together. And so to really be there for each other and, 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 and just speak truth and life over, over all of it, over that girl that has the eight kids now over the girl who's still struggling and, and doesn't know she'll ever have a baby. Um, to know that we've all felt that hurt and it's just as real for me without any kids as it is for me with kids. So, um, and I think that's just one more way that Satan tries to isolate us because if he can, if he can keep you feeling like I, you know, they can't relate to me because they, you know, Jessica has three kids and she doesn't know what this is like. I mean, I just interviewed a woman Mm -hmm. that has five kids, but she's had seven miscarriages. God bless. Yeah. So, so there is, I think, I think that's just a tool that the enemy is using. So when we feel that, I mean, yeah. I know I'm guilty of it. When we feel that we just need to confess that to the Lord and just, and then find a common ground, like reach out to that person or pray for that person, or just be grateful that they shared their story. Because I hope what everyone can get from every episode is that there's people that I've interviewed with that have kids that don't have, you know, that don't have kids or have, you know, six kids. I want everybody to see that everybody has a, had, there's a piece in everybody's story that Absolutely. can encourage you. And we don't have to isolate ourselves by saying, well, they have what I want. And so they have that's nothing right. to offer me. And that's where, that's the pit that we put ourselves in. I think a lot of times and in me. Absolutely. Wants to he does. There. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't want to further anything that's good or for God's glory. I mean, so he's going to, he's going to stop all of it if he can. So I think it's our a big mission in our, to be for our hearts that we don't, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard, like God doesn't let a hurt. There's, he has a purpose, which I, you, when you're in the middle of a darkness, you want to hear there's God has a plan for this or his purpose. There's a purpose, but we, we can decide too, if that hurt like that, that there's a, there's a, there's a meaning or a reason like, doesn't, it might not be a reason we understand, but if we don't use the hurt to then help someone else or, just to show us later, it teach good night after this. Like, I think there's so many obstacles in my life, man, we overcame this, like 
this com- in comparison is nothing, you know, like you just, and it just gives you even more strength for the future for, for your own, cause it's not going to end and life is never going to be void of, of, of hardship or darkness. And so, um, it gives you, you, you learn and, and you grow. So I think just the last thing that I would hope everyone would hear from all of this is a lot of the time through my, through my seasons of this struggle. Um, there was one song in particular, um, called take courage, two songs, it is well and take courage. And I'm a song person. I'm a worship leader. So, um, both of those are, are, um, out of Bethel church and, um, whether you believe in God or you don't, um, both of them, I think will give hope. Um, it as well talks a lot more about just, um, just knowing that no matter what comes, we're going to have a faith that says it's well, God, I know that you, you've got this. So that's a little bit more of a faith-based song. And then take courage just really encourages you that there, there are so many things that happen in the waiting. So in that time between the desire that God puts in your heart to start a family and the moment that you may or may not ever have a child, you have the option to live in that season with hope or without hope with joy or without joy, um, with peace or without peace and so many other things. And it's an everyday decision. It's an every minute to minute sometimes decision of, okay, this is where I am. This may not be where I want to be, or it may be either way, but you feel like you're in this season of waiting. Every one of us, whether it's fertility or, or not, we're all in some season of waiting because we all have things that we want that we don't have. And so what do we do with that time? What are we doing with the time in between? Are we really living it to its fullest um, and with joy and with peace? And and I have found that the only way that I have I've been able to keep that consistently is, is that it all starts with God. When I wake up every day, it starts with God. Even if I check on my Bible app on my phone, one scripture, even if it's just one, if I start that way, my day is different than if I don't. Um, I have people in my life who speak truth, whether it's scripture or just hope. It doesn't even have to be Christian based. It's just hope that there is hope in this life. Um, but, but, but I do believe that my hope and my strength comes from God. Um, and so building a community of faith around me, knowing that I never, ever, ever have to do this alone. Um, those things give me what it, what, what I need. And I know that's all God's way of reaching me and reminding me that minute by minute I can keep going and I'm going to live this even in the darkness. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep swimming. I'm going to keep, um, putting God first and helping our family to put him first in all that, that happens and living and loving as many people as I can through this. And, um, so that's one thing I really want everybody to, to hear. We have that choice in what we do with the waiting season. Um, and the other thing is just, and I've said this in in a bunch of different ways, but don't try to do this by yourself. Um, we're in a different time now, um, than when I started and thanks to Kaylee and so many other people like who are making this an awareness of this, um, it's real and it's real for so many people. And even if it's not fertility, there's so many people that are going through seasons of difficulty and or struggle. And you're not a burden to somebody. You're not, um, you're not crazy hormonal maybe, but not <laughs> crazy. Um, there there's, 
you weren't meant to do this by yourself. And God, if you'll just look and pray, he will put the people in front of you, a plethora of people in front of you that both can help you and that you can help. And, and I promise in these seasons, when you feel like you need the most help, it's those times that when you go to help people, that helps you or it it helps me. So reach out to people and know that they're there to help, but also you can be a help for them even in your darkness. So, um, reach out, don't do it alone and, and bring your husband with you. (laughs) I kind of left that part out, but he hurts too. He, he struggles too, and he wants what you want, bring him along and let him in and do it together. Um, and just be open and honest because it's a journey for both of you. Even if he's not the one, um, pumped full of hormones or, or as emotional or whatever it may be. Um, he's got a part in it. So mm-hmm. I am praying. I too, I'm praying. I, I don't know all of you guys that are listening, but I am, it's, I'm, I pray every day because like I said, I don't, I don't forget. And I pray to God, I don't want the hurt or the pain. I'm not asking him for that, but I pray to him every day that he'll give me a tenderness in my heart. When I get up every time to lead worship, when I am talking to a stranger in the store, when anything and everything, I don't want to forget everybody is fighting something and, um, and I don't want to forget the pain because that helps me love better. It helps me, um, check in on people better. So I'm praying for you and I am believing the best for you, whether that's a sweet baby or, um, something totally different, whatever it is, I'm praying goodness and joy and light and love for you. Jessica prays every day for God to give her a tender heart towards those people who are fighting and for God to always help her remember her pain because it helps her love others better. And as I shared in part one, Jessica really encouraged me completely out of the blue in that random Facebook message. We had never even had a real life conversation except me shaking her hand in the church lobby. But we were in a really scary season of our journey last year and because she is sensitive to God's voice, She reached out literally days before I was going in for surgery. And I don't think that it was by accident that even this week, in the middle of editing this episode with Jessica, a routine doctor's appointment found another cyst on my remaining ovary. Honestly, fear immediately took over. All of those what if questions came up. What if it doesn't go away, which leads to more surgery? What if it takes my last ovary with it? What if, what if, what if? I still don't know all the answers to those questions, but that afternoon I thought back to the message that Jessica sent me before last year's surgery. God still works, and He is still in control, and He not only holds our tomorrows, but He holds us, and He holds us close. So whatever you're facing today, remember that. And let's take a lesson from Jessica and pray for God to help us to be sensitive to others, just like she was with me. Is there someone on your mind today? reach out. Let's not allow this journey that we're on to keep us locked in our own cage of self-pity or doubt. Keep your eyes open and reach out to someone who may be hurting and let's love each other well. Before we head out, I just want to thank you again for all the love that you've been sending. My Instagram and email has been flooded the past few weeks, and I'm so grateful that God is using this to encourage you like that first book encouraged me. Keep sharing and reviewing the podcast so we can help more people find joy, even in infertility. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day. Thank you.